Hi everybody, this is Gary Schaller. And this is James Hager. And we wanted to come at you with something that's a little different than what we usually do. You know, we've been bringing you podcast episodes, but this is something a little different, and we're going to call it the Council of the Elder, because this is our chance to have a little roundtable discussion um, in a slightly different format with some slightly different topics, a little deviation from the usual format. And um, for this, we have a very special guest, someone who is a a well-known contributor to the podcast, and it's his uh, excellent graphics uh, that you enjoy every time you click on the site and download the um, the episodes to your iPod or to whatever. But um, we have with us Ken Mills. Ken, why don't you introduce yourself and tell a little bit about yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Ken. Uh, you may know me as Nightwing Ken. Uh, I run the KISS fan site on the web. And... Uh, I've been a fan since, gosh, back in 1975. Uh, my first exposure to Kiss was an eight-track of Dress to Kill. Uh, then, but but it really didn't hit me until Alive came out. A buddy of mine was driving me to school, and uh, Parasite came on, and that was just like a, a shot of lightning. It just it just hit right through me, and I, I just I just had to hear more and more of this and and the and we actually wound up being late for school that day because we were driving around listening to the eight track awesome and of course you know you'd have to click you know to go on to the next track and everything so i had to hear parasite again so we literally drove around my small town in ohio waiting to hear parasite again and it, it, for good reason that's a great great song. yeah it's it, it's it's still probably one of my favorite songs in the catalog um hey ken and, i got a question for you about that sure um as someone who has like limited experience with eight tracks, I know yeah. that for some of them they had to rearrange the song order. Like uh, <coughs> Pink Floyd's "Animals" on eight track was was different and had actually like different mixes of different songs. But um, right. was it was it the same order and grouping of songs? And there's the dog. Um, actually, for, wait, for those of you listening, uh, uh, James's neighbors, the Bumpuses, are home and their hounds are out. <laughs> Actually, that was my dog. <laughs> oh, that's yours, Ken? Yeah, that's my dog. That's your dog, um, okay. Now, as far as the Alive 8-track, I'm not very sure uh, as far as whether there was an al- uh, kind of an, an alternate mix. I'm not one of these people that is into like collecting the 8-tracks and the cassettes and all of the various uh, permutations. But I do remember that there was, if uh, doc- calling Dr. Love on, on one of the... Uh, uh, it was either the double platinum eight track or the uh, one that Dr. Love was on, and it's like it's like when it came back, you know, it would it'd like click off, and then you'd like sit there and wait for ten seconds, then it would fade back in. It was a horrible experience. But I'll tell you what, uh, the eight tracks were great to have in a car, and it was uh, it was a great uh, way to indoctrinate the uh, the innocent, if you will. Now you have a, a <laughs> right. Seduce the innocent. Now, of yes. the three of us, you have had the most uh, Kiss concert experience. You've seen really? how many how oh, many wow. Kiss concerts? You know, I don't have an exact total. I can just tell you too damn many. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it must be nice to have that. Yeah, well, it's, no, it's, James. It's, I James. I really do hope that you that they do a full fledged tour and that you get to see them because you know. For the for those out there, uh, I, I've been the fan the least amount of time here, ten years. And I have never seen them. You live. must see them. You must. I've seen Ace, but never. Wow. Uh, you know, I hope it'll happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to Gary the other day about um, the first time I went to multiple shows. It wasn't until the Animalized tour, and that was the same tour that I also met uh, Eric Carr and Bruce Kulig for the first time, and uh, it was amazing. We actually forged backstage passes. And <laughs> got backstage. Are you, to, are you uh, serious? No, I'm absolutely serious. One of the things about being a graphic artist is you can create some very cool things. Nice. And um, we made these fake backstage passes, and we had the, the the. I'm sure you've seen the graphic of the claw, the woman's hand coming through the. You know, it was during the oh, analyze yeah. time. Oh anyway, yeah. Yeah, the cover of the uh, video cassette. Exactly. Exactly. So so we we used that. 
and uh, I mean, this was before computers and stuff, so you had to use like copying machines and <laughs> get really creative. Anyway, we, we had them laminated, and we went to the Richfield Coliseum in Cleveland, Ohio. May it rest in peace. And they also filmed some of the uh, video for that night of uh, Thrills in the Night. It wow! Film there, yeah. Part so of it. when you when you saw them, did they did they actually perform that song live? Yes, yes. That's great. Uh, That's great. Yeah, I guess it's okay. And we. Uh, oh wait, you're <laughs> <laughs> as I show my severe distaste for the Animal Lives record. Ah, uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's right. I remember. When, uh, yeah, I remember when we did the Animal Lives show. You were like, wait, what did you say? Like, uh, forget you. You made some. When it comes to the Animal oh, Lives yeah, record, yeah, yeah, you've indeed, had I have had enough. You've had. I've had enough into the fire. But you know what? That's, I'll tell you, I, that's what I did with the record, Ken, and right into the fire. I've Aww. had enough into the fire that that gives a whole new Ooh. definition to burning Ooh. a CD. Boo. I'll tell you though, one of the cool things about um, about hearing uh, like an audience recording or a soundboard recording of Thrills in the Night Live um, is that you know I, I grew up with the uh, Animalized Live Uncensored, the official video, mm-hmm. and um, well, you know. This is not a criticism, it's an observation, but it reminds me a little bit of a live two where you know that you're hearing like Paul on lead and Paul, Paul, and Paul on backup vocals. <laughs> yeah. Right? And uh, when you hear Thrills in the Night uh, live, like a, um, you know, an undoctored recording, you get to hear what it actually sounded like. And, you know, in, in, in the spirit of all things podcast, uh, why don't we take a listen to that right now? This is Thrills in the Night recorded on the Animalized live tour.
my friend had saved up a lot of money and we would go on this kiss trek if you will where we would see like a couple different shows anywhere we had to go whether it was <coughs> pittsburgh dayton or whatever and it was like hey wait a second uh Paul said that last night. <laughs> Wait, I thought Cleveland was the best. What's going on here? Wait, you so must have been you, you must have been sitting in the audience saying, Paul really goes to the doctor an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, because he did that love gun <laughs> shtick with uh, with the nurse. Yesterday, I thought it was time for me to go to the doctor and get myself checked out. You know what I'm talking about? I thought it was time that I went to the doctor. So I went to the doctor. I had made an appointment for that. And so there must be something seriously wrong with Paul if he's seeing a doctor in every right. town. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first uh, experience with uh, multiple KISS shows. And, it, and the set list was kind of the same from show to show, but that's a topic for later. Right, right. So, so, uh, so do you still go to multiple shows? Um, actually, no, at this point, I don't really see much point in it. Um, especially since there's no full tour right now. So, <laughs> right. <that's laughs> in order for me to go to on multiple shows, I would have <coughs> had to went to Europe, Tahoe, uh, <laughs> yes. so on and so <laughs> forth. And I'm just not a jet setter anymore. Well, hopefully there will be a tour because, uh, there is a cool release that may make it stateside. I don't know. I haven't heard anything uh, you know, confirming or denying that one way or the other, but um, I think it's. I think that this is a release that should be released in the United States. Uh, I certainly have enjoyed the copy that I bought from Japan, um, and so this is. You know, this is one of the things. The main thing that I think we should discuss tonight, which is, um, boy, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but is it Jikoko Retsuden? Does that sound good? Okay. I think I had that at a Chinese restaurant once. I think I had that one time after I ate at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> Anyway. You got to get a rim shot sound effect, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, James, you're the drummer, so uh, yeah. So anyway, so there's this new album, and it's um, it is the first full-length uh, studio recording from Kiss in ten years. Um, it is a also very the long first time. That's right. That's right. It's actually uh, James. You you became a fan after Psycho Circus came out, right? About a month after Psycho Circus. Okay, so in a way, in an ass backwards way. This is your first Kiss Studio new recording, uh, being a fan, isn't it? Um, yeah, in some kind of weird, strange way, it is the first full-length Kiss Studio recording that I have had the privilege of getting new. You know, as it comes out, I was a fan. I mean, I had Live to Win. I had uh, uh, Gene's, Gene's Asshole Did record. you buy one for all? You bought one for all. I, I did buy one for all. I had forgotten about one for all. Um, so yeah, I mean, so there have been plenty of actually there have been plenty of new studio releases. Just none of them under the official. Right. Oh, there have been plenty of new studio releases, like uh, the Millennium concert. Ooh. Bingo. Ooh, hey. Nice. Okay. Okay. Wait a hey. second. Wait a second. Now everyone talks about Psycho Circus was the last official release, so on and so forth. But we've had Symphony. We've had the Ramones tribute mm -hmm. track. That's true. Which makes me mad every time I hear it. Really? Why? It saddens me. Every time I hear, do you remember rock and roll radio? It just makes me think of how much I want to kiss record. Okay, all right. Oh, I'm right. with you on that. I'm and totally how much with fun you. that track is and how, how great Paul sounds and how great Gene sounds and just how great a new kiss record could be. Well, well can I say something? That is sure. exactly the problem I have with the new release. If, if there's a problem I have with it, that's it right there. Well, it shows me that, that, that these so guys can still do it. That makes three of us. I mean, I would really love, you know, as much as I don't agree with their trade practices or whatever, I would really love a, you know, even a Walmart exclusive like Journey just did, you know, right. do a, a one, one disc, because I actually, I bought the new Journey record. Me too. One disc, all new material. Another disc, this re-recording uh, set. And then a third disc of some unreleased show or even something... I think in Japan they're bundling uh, Tokyo 78 or 77. Right. Yes. With this recording. So, you know, a three-disc set like that, make a Walmart exclusive if you want to, you know, stamp the Kiss name on it, it would sell. The Journey albums almost went platinum, if not platinum right. already. When you listen to this, you go, okay, um, they don't sound like 1975 anymore. 
they don't even sound like 1995 anymore. But this is a Kiss who can go into a studio. From what I understand, this was recorded over the course of like a weekend. Yes, yeah, hard to believe, but that's what I heard too. Yeah, really, really, really quick. You know, go in, bang out the tracks. So you mean in like three days? That's, they did what, this. that's what I heard. That has flipped my gigantic ginger-colored <laughs> wig. That is amazing. I, I figured, you know, this was something they've done over, you know, the last year or two. Not from what I've heard. Wow. Now, this is, I mean, it's not the first time. So this is something that if, if, if um, you know, if we do get a chance, hypothetically, at some point to interview, oh, I don't know, Tommy Thayer or something on this show, um, if we did get a chance, I would love to ask him about because, from what I understand, uh, this current lineup, they have done re-recordings of old Kiss songs in the past. I mean, you can hear one of them if you listen. If you watch the behind-the-scenes documentary on the Kiss Symphony second DVD, yes, uh, Black Diamond, if I remember right, correct. right. Yes. That's yes. Yes. yes, yep. And so, I mean, I know that they re-recorded so they re-recorded Detroit Rock City for the American Bandstand thing. They did, I think, right. they did Rock and Roll All Night. But in any event, they also did uh, Detroit Rock City for the Detroit Rock City sound yeah, movie. Yeah. Right, different. And yeah, no, that was the original lineup. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it's certainly not the first time. Same kiss principle. It, you know. What? Yeah, same, same principle. principle yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but no, this was like a weekend thing. I think they just, I think they just like went in and banged it out, which, all things considered, really impresses me. Well, now, I mean, the production to me is now even more impressive because it right. was done so quickly. You know, uh, there well, are that's that's blown my mind. There are many records that you that could quickly. do that with, right? I mean, like that's what I love about Black Sabbath's first record. I think King Crimson's first record, which is like a masterpiece, was recorded really quickly. The Beatles' first yeah. album was recorded in 12 cool. hours, and at the end of it, John Lennon lost his voice. Very last take of Twist and Shout. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a, th- that is the one, I think, the one uh, bad thing about this album, but maybe it will be the one good thing about this album if enough people... I don't even want to say it. No, please, say it, say it. Uh, just don't jinx it. Dare I say it? Yes, t- say it. Should I? I, I, I shouldn't. Well, okay. Go if ahead. enough people buy this thing... And you should buy it. As you should. Buy it. Yes. If enough people buy it, maybe, 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 you know, they'll get the idea that we want, you know, we want to hear new music from Kiss badly enough that we will buy old music from Kiss re-recorded by the current lineup. Agreed. Absolutely. So uh, does anyone have a favorite track? I have um, about three or four favorite tracks. I really, I, I, and this is strange because it's a song I've never really liked a whole lot. I really enjoy the new recording of "I Was Made for Loving You." I do too. Yeah, I there like is, it. there's some cool stuff going on there. I mean, I think it almost sounds a little heavier, maybe, in yeah. the, you know, at the, especially in the intro. A little bit more, a uh, little bit more guitar, a little less of the uh, glitz and glamour of the original. Yeah, it chugs along nicely. Um, I like kind of Paul goes a little bit more falsetto on the chorus. Yep. But I think it works. Well, he sounds it sounds a little less um it sounds a little bit less like a heavy metal star trying to do disco and more like I don't know, it, it I don't know, a it pop reminds rock me of song. What's that? It sounds just like a pop rock song. Yeah, it um it reminds me of Giorgio Moroder stuff from the 70s. Oh, wow, great. Uh yeah, exactly. I'm with you. Like um Ferk, are you familiar? Like, I don't know, some of the stuff that, like, um... Blondie's Call Me. Um, right, and Donna, Donna Summer. Summer. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like Gosh, Georgia Moroder a lot. He's really Gosh, cool. Old. Right, right. Yeah, showing my age with the Giorgio Moroder thing. But no, like, uh, yeah, I, I, it reminds me of that stuff. It doesn't sound like, oh, Kiss are doing a disco record. It sounds like a pop song, and, and it really, really works. I, that was, that was going to be my pick as well. What about you, uh, Ken? What do you think? Well, um, I'm going to go with Deuce. It's just, Gene is just, he sounds so damn good. He really does. He really and, does. And uh, people can make fun of me all they want on the net for uh, saying that, but Gene, God, it seems like he stepped out of the 70s at times. It's also it, like, it did. So go ahead. <clears throat> He's, he sounded just really, really good on this record. I mean, it was easy to close your eyes while listening to Deuce or, you know, the vocal parts in Christine 16 or, or even I Love It Loud. And to really think that you're listening to the original recording. 
I'm also glad that they uh, kept the keyboards in Detroit Rock City. Oh, the oh the piano thing under yeah. the chords. Yeah. For example, was... you know, they they could have just went straight with guitars, and there would have been something missing big time. Well, no, they wanted Absolutely. to make it, I think, a, a really like a studio album. Exactly. My favorite recording by Kiss, and probably my favorite recording by anybody, is the original version of Shout It Out Loud from Destroyer. And okay. one of the things I love about that is just how full the the harmonies are. And and in this one, the the choruses are almost angelic. Like the the harmonies are beautiful. They just do such a great job. Right. But here's my take on that. Okay. This is you're, you and I are at a disagreement here. That's one of the things I dislike about the newest version of Shout It Out Loud. Um, Bob Ezrin, who is one of the best producers ever, you know, everyone loves Eddie Kramer, and I love Eddie Kramer too. Don't get me wrong, but Bob Ezrin took Kiss to a whole nother level in the same way that he did with Alice Cooper. He took him from a guy that had some weird gimmicks. He said, this is how you can change your whole set. This is, you know, and and he did the same with Kiss, with God of Thunder. We're going to make this, this is going to be your moment. You know what I mean? He actually built the songs on the album to mean something. In that same respect, when you listen to the original uh, Destroyer version of Shout It Out Loud, you have, for example, uh, and an and imperfect chorus, meaning that I'm sure that it's whoever was in the studio, they probably brought people in and just said, okay, we're going to shout, shout it out loud. The one problem I have with the new version of Shout Out Loud, and I love it, don't get me wrong, but the chorus, it, you mentioned the angelic voices, it sounds to me like it's Paul and Eric Singer. Does it's that make too, sense? Yeah, you're saying it's like maybe a little too perfect. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Bob Ezrin, you know, he, Bob Ezrin's always thinking conceptual. You know what well, I mean? You can right. Well, I'm and, a, and, and 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 like he's thinking, okay, what are we saying? Shout it out loud. Okay, he's not saying sing it out loud. He's saying shout it out loud. Well, so, I'm a, you know, Pink Floyd is by a, by a hair my second favorite band, and Bob Ezrin, you know, being who Bob Ezrin is, like exactly when 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 they did the wall and they wanted to have the sound of a helicopter landing, mm-hmm. you know, you know what they did? No, what they did? Mm-hmm. They rented a helicopter. There you go. Like that, like that's Bob Ezrin, and so. For exactly. those reasons, like I think Bob Ezrin is a, is an amazing producer. The one, my one criticism of Bob Ezrin has nothing to do with his creative, like his creativity or his creative genius, I guess. But it's that the things that he tried to capture on tape made the tapes sound muddy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't. So you I, couldn't mess with them later. No, and 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 sometimes I think the mix or the clarity suffered. But I mean, who am I to complain? Those are some of the greatest records ever. So. Right. Um, now, but, now, Ferk, you were saying that um, before we started recording that um, you had you had you were you were surprised and not always pleasantly by some of the choices Eric Singer made in terms of the drum arrangements. Is that right? Absolutely. There, um, as many of you out there in the podcast land may know, I am a a drummer, or I try to be a drummer. Let's put it that you way. Do, you do quite well, by the way, and and the. And the band is called the Electric Pepperoni Experience. Uh, there, there are some tracks on the new re-recording that I think that Eric Singer kind of could have done a better job. Um, the, the worst. Oh, no, you're not. You're not a real Kiss fan. No, that's right. I, I must not be a, a, a true fan because I don't accept everything. Uh, anyway. Well, I'm a true fan, and there's some choices I don't understand. Uh, for example, the "Do You Love Me" that's, track. That's to me is the worst offender on the album. And to me, once once you get into the verse of it, it's no longer an issue. Yeah. But the very beginning, that intro has it has another like, kick beat in there. Exactly. And, I mean, any when I first I found the samples online as I was waiting for for my my copy to arrive, um, you know, the, for, I check all my favorite. And "Do You Love Me" is one of my longtime favorite Kiss songs. And I hit the play button and I hear. comes in with the vocals it's a non-issue right but for the it, first it, it, it just 10 disappears. seconds of the track i mean the first just, measure or whatever you want to yeah, call it it's also i noticed uh i love it loud his hi-hat is way too open yeah and there's way too much hi-hat and uh, he should close it and they should kind of mix it down a little bit you know eric eric yes. carr is not my favorite kiss drummer i mean How there's only been say that well i know i'm not a real i'm not a real kiss you're not a real fan um, well, it's not that he's not a drummer I like. It's just that there were only three, 
and I prefer <laughs> Someone's got to be best. Someone's got to be least. Absolutely. You know. And with right. this one, I'm with Gary, actually. Yeah, but I will say this, right, about I Love It Loud. There's, I don't think there's any other drummer besides Eric Carr who I've heard play that right. I mean, and by I right, I mean the way I like it, you know? Absolutely. Well, well original studio version, boy, does that, you know, that still sends well, chills for me. I hate to say this, I don't think any Kiss drummer ever lived up to the studio sound. It's impossible. Huh. That I, is I perfect. That. that is perfect. For that track? Yeah. It's just I agree. unbelievable. Off, off, off creatures. Yeah. By the way, you I know, we were, we were talking about the three drummers, and you have to have a favorite and you have to have a least. Out of the three of us, I'm my favorite. So I'm just, I don't want to break anyone's heart, but I just, I have to throw that out there. Oh, out of the three of us, you're yes. your own favorite? No, yes. that, that makes that, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I can't believe you said that to I'm, me. Ferk, you were, you were a close uh, second. And Gary was well, too, so. Well, you know, I mean, I think, I, think, uh, I, think it's, I think it goes back to what, you know, what we were saying earlier w- before we started recording, which was, um, you know, Ken was a little disappointed, James, when I, when I told him that we were going to do a three-way. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly didn't think with you guys anyway, but that's a whole other issue. Um, now, let me ask you this. Anytime I get a new CD, uh, unless we're talking like something like John Denver's Greatest Hits or The Best of the Carpenters or something weird like that, um, anytime I listen to a rock CD, there's one test that I have to put it through. The road test. Oh, yeah. The Sammy Hagar, I can't drive 55. You know, if, if you're not, if, if you don't want to step right. on it while you're driving, something's wrong. I can tell you when I threw that puppy in, fired it up, Deuce is playing, I hit the road, boom, Yeah, took I off. did it yesterday, actually. So it it's did uh, pass that, that test it, it for totally me. It totally worked. I, on my way to Target, I'm lucky I didn't get pulled over. <laughs> Gary as he speeds down the road to Target. <laughs> to Target. <laughs> yeah, that album kicked ass. Exactly. Like, in the car, it really worked. I was kind of surprised by the choice to uh, include Forever. Yeah, it is because it really... And, uh, it isn't sad to say, for whatever reason... I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a damn decent-sized hit. But for whatever reason, when people hear it, they don't when, obviously right. associate it with Kiss for some reason. I've long been a uh, anybody that you know knows me from the message boards and everything knows I've long criticized the way Tommy Thayer played the uh-huh. Forever solo. You know whether whether he's playing the right notes or not. I never liked the way he copped the sound of the Forever solo on the Symphony CD. On the Symphony CD and on the Japan 2003 tour, but of course he was playing it electrically there, so that's not really a fair comparison. But you like but you like this version. I think that. If I close my eyes and just listen to that part, I might not know the difference between Tommy Thayer and Bruce Kulak. Wow, that's that's high praise and, indeed. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure that I see it that way. A couple uh, drum things that are a little different in the song, but, I mean, nothing that anyone else would notice. It's not a drummer. And maybe we can play a little bit of each song or a part or a certain piece of each song and discuss it, or what do you guys think of that idea? Let's do it. Okay, so first up, Deuce. Baby, if you feel it good... Um, you know, uh, people both in and out of KISS have long criticized Gene's act, and I, I, don't, I never had a problem with any of his performances, but I think that um, when I listen to this new CD, it confirms for me that Gene is actually a pretty decent actor, because what he does is he acts like 1970s Gene, and he does it really well. I agree 100%. Did I? I think, first off, the band, you know, Tommy, Eric, and... and uh, Paul, it's funny, the name I forgot was Paul. You know, the one with the Uh, star on his face. Yeah, that guy. But uh, I think they did a really great job of recreating the 70s sound. Even um, the main riff, you know, the ba-da-dum-ba-da-da-dum. There was that almost skipping sound toward the end of the riff that was in the original studio recording. And and it's That you don't hear live. And uh, the, the background vocals shine as well in this one. Really good. Really good recording and, and raw and raw enough. It's not. It doesn't seem to have that same thing that Ken you were talking about with Shout Out Loud. It doesn't sound um, like they're they're you know going for perfection. It was more just raw. Definitely. A very yeah. solid way to start off the record. Detroit Rock City is next. Detroit Rock City. 
Um, it's 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 good. You just you just you just cannot top. And again, we know that they weren't trying to, but uh, it, a, a damn fine job nonetheless. It's just uh, Ezrin was not on the board. I kind of like how the uh, it seems like the rhythm section is a little bit more pronounced. You know, you hear a little more bass and a little bit more drums. Yeah. In this version, so, sounds like they also let Eric do his own thing. Yeah. A bit more. Yeah, it's not the original drum piece, but it's the way we've been hearing it played, you know, with the exception of a, a length of time from 96 to 2003, the way we've been hearing it played since 1992. Yeah. So. Let's give let's give a shout out to um, the the both guitarists in Kiss, too, because the attention, the ear for detail and the attention to detail um, on, on the part of Tommy and Paul is commendable here. Like the, I guess they, they do the, the octave yeah. thing. During the solo, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. you know, Bob Ezrin. You know, you can never have more. You know, you can never have just nine guitars no, on any no, one no. song. There's right? always room so for they, one they more, d- like Jello. Yeah. Always room for more. Right, right. And they kind of did that here, but not to overkill. Um, not to the point of overkill, but it really worked. What's next? Shout it out loud. Shout it! Shout it! Shout it out loud! You got to have a part. Are you serious? See, really? I thought this one uh, has a bit of a new life, if you will. I thought it was kind of plotting. And again, there is a, a a bit of a thing in the drum part during the verses that I just do not like. It's It's very subtle, and you have to really, really train your ear to hear it. But there's like hmm. a snare roll okay. every couple beats. Yeah, yeah. A very I don't. Very I know what you're talking about. I don't actually think it's a sample, although you you could be right. But I know what you're talking. About. You're talking about like a little. He does like a little snare roll. I think. Yeah, or something it's like, like you said. The, you know. Yep. And I just, it wasn't in the original. I don't see the reason for it here. Um. I mean, it's not a bad version of the song, by no means. I like hearing Paul sing like um, his old self again. Me too. Abs- abs- I like also hearing the original lyrics again. There you go. Oh, instead of the sit on your face thing? <laughs> it was funny during the Revenge Tour. Mm-hmm. It was cute the first time I heard it while he was in makeup. Well, he didn't do it on this tour. I, I know. I think this is the first tour, actually, since they reintroduced the song in, two, in 1992 that he hasn't done that, and I'm so happy. I think you're right. Very cool. But I, I think that yeah. this is one of those, the, the versions uh, of the of the recut songs that... I, that to me stand out. This is one of my faves. And I'll tell you what, I love Hotter Than Hell. It is probably one of my top three Kiss albums. I, in in the same way, I wouldn't want a thing changed. I wish they would remaster that thing somehow or pull everything that could be that's in there because we all hear it. We all know it's there. And uh, I, I I would just love to hear that song, that 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 whole album the way that it could be. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the one song that might suffer from that though, it might be Strange yeah. Ways. Oh, because it has to. It just has to be such a muddy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it has that gritty. I think Going Blind would absolutely just oh my God. shine in a different recording environment. We got it. Yeah, that and All Which the Way. Is, all the Way is like an. All the Way is is I think an underrated pop masterpiece. The way like Christine Sixteen is. Even though I'm full of sin In the end you let me in You let me through, there's nothing you can do You need my love and don't you know it's true So enter please, get on your knees There are no bills, there are no fees Baby, I know what your problem is The first step of the cure is A kiss Love it. One of the best ones on that Absolutely. The, the cowbell is a little higher pitch, but I think that's just difference in equipment. Oh, my God. Now, that's someone nitpicking right there. 
<laughs> it's not nitpicking. Now you're just nitpicking. It's different. You know, it's, uh, no, it's really great, and it, that's if there's any difference really at all, you know, to the ear, it's it's the cowbell, and uh, it's nothing that takes away from the track. I don't think. You know what is weird? I, I, I'm okay. This is me nitpicking now, but I seem to be all about like um, the, the intros okay. to the songs. The piano comes in one hit. Oh, on Christine sixteen. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah. brother. I was waiting till we... <laughs> no, it does, it does. I it was does. waiting till we uh, got uh, to uh, that song. Well, let's check it out. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Roll, roll the tape. You just cracked me up with roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, all that beautiful... What is it? You just tore it's, me It's up. from that bean commercial. Who, someone else who's also not... Uh, sponsoring us. All right, so look, that's what I'm saying is, you, like, the bass and piano come in at the same time in the original version, but in the new version, piano comes in one hit later. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> this is gonna be a bitch to edit, Gary. We are kiss nerds, anyway. This is gonna be a very hard show to oh, edit. Oh, let me like, rest assured, I'm not editing anything. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh wow. Oh, this so, is gonna be great. Wow. Love gun. Love gun. Or, or as they say on the net, or as Paul would say, what, what's, what's his quote? Now shut up and play. Yeah, yeah that's great. Now, now, now play. Uh, now play that's, love gun. that's fine. Play love, play love gun. Great version. Sounds. Uh, I mean, it's almost identical to the, to the 1977 version. Um, for better or for worse, you know, depending on your preference with the song. It's got the abbreviated intro compared to what we're used to live now. That's good. Right. And it also has Paul singing over the solo. And uh, Oh. Which, of course, I got to listen the solo to that. Reprise. Yeah. Wow, wow. I was made for loving you. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. My oh. one. <laughs> that means a lot to me, man. I think it's great. Great job. Great job. Yeah. Cool. I would kill for Paul to sing it this way live. Tommy did a great job, but just something's missing from the guitar solo part. It's not. There's some a harmony something, or something missing. But you know what? You 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 just cannot uh, capture perfection twice. Better than the original. There I say. Whoa, hey now. There, what? I Are you serious? I hate the record so much. Yeah, but you don't like Animal Eyes, so. Exactly. The only thing that bugs me, there's two things that bug me about Heaven's on Fire on here. It's, as Gary mentioned, the intro comes in late. Wait. And also, I think the initial guitar strike is a little too long. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. Bah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's I know, like, I know bah, bah, The only you know? thing I have to say about it is, I miss Eric Carr. Absolutely. Eric Singer did not play it the same way Eric Carr did. Um, I like the guitars better, I think. You know? How strongly you feel about Animal Eyes is, is how strongly I feel about Animal Eyes, but in the other direction. So, you know, that is an invariably, I think, going to be the problem or the challenge for anyone who listens to this new CD is g kind of getting past the old attachments, right? Absolutely. Because it's just Absolutely. so hard. It's hard to get past what the original tracks mean to people who grew up with them, or like you'll you'll Ken, you'll never hear Parasite the same way. The way that I did in, in that Trans Am on the way to school on that cold morning. Right. You're absolutely right. It's it's there's just nothing like that. And you know, for me, I remember getting Animal Eyes and how excited I was and how cool I thought they looked on the back cover. You know, standing with like uh, you know on like grates over river of lava i don't know whatever the hell's it going was amazing on so many of the 80s bands back then stood around lavas and uh all these weird bizarre landscapes they just happened to find there you go it's very bizarre the next track lick it up. which just at the very Lick beginning 
sounds exactly like the beginning of Partners with Crime, uh, Partners in Crime, just just at the very beginning. Anyone else think that? Yeah, it does. Well, no, I absolutely agree. Did not notice it. The only thing that I noticed different about the, the Lick It Up, I think it sounds remarkably like right. the 1983 version. Um, I think the only thing I noticed different, I don't know if anybody else did, is after the, well, first off in the second verse, the the background vocals with the, the Lick It Up, as Paul's singing, is a little bit less pronounced. Huh. And then after the second chorus, there used to be a call on, and response between Gene and Paul. With the it's only I, think, right I, think that, I, I think that's Vin. Isn't that Vinny? Really? I always I thought it was. Too, I always thought it was Gene. Who knows? Okay. But okay, there's a call and response with somebody. I, I always that's funny. I always thought that was Vinny. I love how they um, included the the reprise. Yes. The song fades out, and it fades uh, back in, just like in 1982. The way it should be. They did well. They did well. Forever, also good. Great song. A um, couple drum fills are different. Nothing I want to complain about. It, it, it's good another song. standout for me. I, I agree. I, it, yeah. just, it seems like it's a little more updated, if you will. But perfect. But wait a second. I think that the original Forever is perfection for myself. Great song. I love it. So, one of my, uh, definitely one of my favorites from yeah, that album. Definitely, same here. Someday we should revisit that. Well, next year, when it turns twenty, we should revisit that album. Do we have to? Why not? What else do we got to do? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind revisiting about I don't know seven <laughs> of the songs. Oh. Then, then there's Boomerang. You know, it, the one thing about Hot in the Shade. <laughs> There's one, for, for whatever reason, when you go on message boards, you see like the same thread over and over and over again every so often. The one thread that I keep reading every so often, about once a month, is, here's my version of Hot in the Shade. I took a couple tracks off. Right. <laughs> this seems very right. strange. Right, right, it's, right. Uh, and it's always Boomerang is one of the tracks that yeah. gets le- left off. It could be a great album if they just chopped but it up. isn't it weird that that's the one album that Kiss fans would say, I'd like less tracks, please? What the hell are you thinking? I'm the kind of guy that would be like, <laughs> give me the bonus tracks. I'll take them. Give me the B-sides. Give me anything, you know? That is a great point. If yeah. you have something to say about that, shoot us an email at podkissed at gmail.com. No, it's true. I mean, it's not often that you hear people complaining that there's That's too like, much That's like, hey, music, there's too much too sucks, much new music there's too much pizza. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'll tell you what it breaks my heart. Happen. What breaks my heart is, um, and maybe maybe some other people listening, or maybe you guys remember this. Um, I think it was like late 99. There was an interview posted on Kiss Online with Gene Simmons. And they asked him if this was it for Kiss. What about the rumors that, that they're going to break up, blah, blah, blah. And he said, no, um, in fact, we're going to be doing, um, if, if all bodes well, a new studio album with Bob Ezrin, and it's going to be a double album. Does anyone else uh, remember that? I don't remember that, but it has now broke my heart that that has not happened. Yeah, that, I agree. Uh, those were the days. Um, all right, so do you love me? Do you love me, guys? Of course we do. I don't, I don't love you right now since you skipped Christine 16. Exactly. Bingo. Wow. Busted. Christine 16. Believe it or not, I'm glad they left the the, the uh, piano on it. You're glad. You're glad. You're glad. You're glad they left it on. Yeah. You oh, know, me too. Because it just seems like something that uh, most modern day Kiss fans would say. No, oh, we can lose the piano. No, no, no. Leave it there. It's there fun, for a reason. Fun fact. You know who didn't want piano on that track? Who? Ace. Really. Tell uh, yeah. me all about it. Where, where's, where's this? Where'd you get this info? It's not that I don't, I don't remember. believe you. I'm just curious. I think I read it in. Um, is it <coughs> behind behind the mask or whatever that book is called? Is that? Oh wow. I think I th- I think I read somewhere that that um, 
you know, Gene wanted the piano, and Ace said it's not that's not rock and roll, or it's not rock and roll enough, or it doesn't it won't work. Huh. Well, I've got to side with Gino yeah. on this one. The piano really makes I it. Thought it's so. basically like a big bopper homage, if you will. Right, and I think that whole album has uh, this kind of like Motowny. I mean, for, I mean, I stole your love is a, is a hard rock song, but you know, <coughs> they even cover a an, like a Motown song, right? Well, then, then, then he kissed me. It's not Motown, I guess. Well, yeah, it is. It's from that it's, time, uh, yes. Motown S. Yeah, it's an old time group. hit. But basically, a lot of the songs uh, from Pete's tracks to you know to the you know like I mentioned the Big Bopper kind of thing, they're they're songs that uh, kisses to me always sounded like. Okay, here's the Beatles in 1977 with Marshall Amps. You right. know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, there's just certain songs that like you could go, okay, that's a Beatle track. Okay, that sounds like the Stones. Okay, that sounds like this. Kiss has always worn their influences on their sleeve big time. Not and a bad thing, just the way it is. No, that's a good way of putting it. I, um, I see it that way too. Yeah. And I think that I think that it's very clear nowadays when bands wear the Kiss influence on their sleeves. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, there's not enough of them. Right. We need more. More, right. more, more. I agree. Good music um, is good. Did, did, have you guys heard that 1977 band? Yeah. It's pretty interesting. No. It's an it's interesting r- concept. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe that one of the guys involved um, is, is the guy named Andrew who's, um, who works at the coffee house. <coughs> oh, wow. Our friend Andrew at the coffee house. Um, hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Um, he, I believe, had something to do with that record, and I'm not 100% sure, but check them out. It's the, I think it, they're called 1977band.com, okay. maybe the website, but very cool, and it's like, it's the most, it's, it's a very interesting tribute to Kiss um, that involves writing original music. Um, That's that, supposed that to are, sound like it came from exactly. 1977. Yeah, like they have a Do You Love Me song and a Calling After Love song, but they're not those exact songs. Anyway, checking them out. Um, kind of like Gary, you're you're older than than uh, Ferk, like myself. Remember Klaatu? Uh The band that was rumored to be the Beatles after the yeah. Beatles broke up. Basically, they would like take three Beatles songs, put them in a blender, and puke out something that was like, okay, this is here's a bit from Eleanor Rigby, here's a bit from A Day in Life, here's a bit from right. this. And you could you would like actually listen to it and go okay that's this from this song that's this from this. it's it's a very similar situation. Hell of a form of flattery. Have you either of you guys? I assume you're both big Beatles fans. Yeah. Yes. Have you guys ever heard the Offspring song "Why Don't You Get a Job"? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah, it is an exact ripoff of Obla uh, D, Obla uh, Da. I've got you know of course both albums, and uh, it is nice. almost nice beat for beat a complete ripoff. Well, if you're gonna ri- if you're gonna rip off a, a rock start band, start at the top. You, that's a it's a damn good place to start. Yeah. All right. So, what do you guys think of the "Do You Love Me" version on here? Uh, again, the drums at the very beginning. I was like, "Whoa, hey, is this the same song?" Yeah. Right. But I'll tell you what. The, 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 my favorite part of the song, they nailed it. Can you? you, you I'm sure you guys could guess what. With the with the bells. Yeah. The, the yeah, they 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 did. They know the the whole like your backstage pass mm-hmm. and black sunglasses part, boy. Right. That like I can't listen to Destroyer without getting chills when I, I agree. hear that. It's such a I great agree. moment. 100%. Yeah. Hold on a second. If if I may. Yes. I absolutely love Eric Singer. Great guy. Fantastic musician. But even listening to these tracks, there's just times where you just really appreciate the hell out of Peter Chris, and that's. There's a lot of people that don't understand that, that if I say that I prefer this drumming style or that drumming style, that I, I'm, I'm making fun of Pete or something like that, and I'm not. All I'm saying is that uh, when when you hear these tracks, you really do miss a certain something that Peter Chris brought to the table. No one can ever take away there's what a, he brought there's a to Kiss. that Peter Chris has that yeah. that no no drummer in Kiss has ever been able to recreate. The song in particular that sticks out to me is Strutter. You know, there's never been a Kiss drummer play Strutter yes. the way Peter Chris plays Strutter. It's the it's well, I think it's what he does with the hi hat. I agree. For me, that has a big part of that. Just that kind of steady with the hi hat. Um, same with Deuce. Mm-hmm. 
he makes those songs chug along in a very um, old-fashioned kind of way that really works. It, it's a perfect counterpoint to, to being a heavy metal band is that you get this uh, big band thing in the background. And that's not to say that right. Eric Singer and Eric Carr were not great drummers. I mean, I'm not a huge right. fan of Peter Chris's take on uh, I Love It Loud. You know, or no, you know, each, right. each guy did their thing so, so very, very Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we're blessed as KISS fans to have some really cool personalities and musicians that have brought something to the table all along the way. I, that yeah. includes from from the first guy to the last. That that all of them so far have brought something. I can agree with that. Well, you know, just I mean to to go back to the Beatles for a second. Um, there, there's a great quote. I think it's actually on the official Beatles website uh, that calls them the the greatest romance of the 20th century. And I think wow. I think yeah. And I think that in some way, Kiss in the rock world is the greatest soap opera um, of of 20th century rock. And um, I say that because there's there's so many great characters. Um, people people go away and come back. You know, it's just like a soap opera where you know all the goofy stuff happens, where you know people get possessed and then. Um, you know, come back as other people, and just, it's a weird, weird soap opera that, unless you're a KISS fan, you just don't understand. I have nothing but the greatest affection for the original recordings that of the songs that are represented on this album, and I have nothing but the greatest affection for um, Eric and Tommy for going in and, and doing such a great job on these recordings. I can't understand why anyone has any problems with this situation at this point. It's It's been, what, eight years, six years, 112, when does it end? It's so clear that they're fans when you listen to this stuff. Right. It's so clear that they love it as much as we do. You know, and that's that's what's important. Um, and I think that shows in Black Diamond too. I mean, Eric Singer, I think, is a sensational singer, and he does a great job on the vocals here. Diamond is forever will be and has always been my favorite Kiss song. Really? Um, I th- absolutely. I think it's <coughs> the perfect Kiss song. When I became a Kiss fan, it was kind of a very slow process for me. I became a fan in '98. I really didn't know too much though. I knew Psycho Circus, Destroyer, and, uh, and Dynasty for the next three years or two years. I didn't. I'd never heard Deuce until the last Kiss pay-per-view. Wow. Yeah, uh, Deuce, um, Deuce Firehouse, uh, Wow. Diamond. Yeah, there are just so many songs because I never had looked for any more music, if that makes sense. And um, when I watched this pay-per-view, at the end of the show when Paul did the I Still Love You intro and then he went into Black Diamond, that song blew my mind. Oh, it's great. the, The whole visual of it, you know... You know, Peter flying 20 feet in the air with his, you know, his drum yeah. kit. Just, it was amazing. And to me, it's the per- it's the song that most represents the Kiss experience. It's pretty great. It's almost like Eric Singer sings it like Peter Chris would, but he also sings it like Eric Singer would. Right. And um, I, you know, my only beef with the version on here is I think Eric sang it live better, a hundred times than he did on this album. That's see, that is why but, one of, you know reason number two billion why I'm so. I so want them to do a new studio album because I want those guys to get a chance to have their songs. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to go Absolutely. see Kiss and have a Tommy song and an Eric song and, and stuff where you go like, man, you know, they did it on the record. They're doing it live. Like, good for them. You know, it's it's their ch- it's their turn. It's their chance. Uh, I, you know, Kiss, if you're listening, do it. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Eric could always do the solo harmonica thing again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and last but not least is, of course, the obligatory rock and roll all night track. 
I cannot believe they included a rarity such as this. It's weird because it's such an obscure tune. You never hear it live. Uh, it's just it, it blew my mind. I'm surprised they didn't surprised they didn't do fanfare instead. <laughs> I mean, come on. You, you would think as many times as they have driven "Love's a Deadly Weapon" into our head <laughs> that they would have finished off. With right. Well, I'm gonna be one of the rare uh, rare people on this one. I never get tired of rock and roll night, especially live. You know when it really is awesome is when you bring someone to their first Kiss concert. It's it's like, bang, here we yeah. go. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people have looked across the way at me right. and they're like, I get it. Yeah. I'm here with you. Yeah. This is it. It's it's almost like a, a holy religious experience, praise God. You know, we're, we're all in this. They, they I'm going to make it. a... They understand. Right. They're now one of us. One, one of, of us. Is that the Simpsons? One of us. Clerks cartoon. Oh, that's right. It's brilliant. Based on Zoe um, the Pinhead. Anyway. James, I do I do hope you get to see Kiss and I do hope you get the, you know, the experience of bringing someone to a Kiss concert who you know, especially actually it's even better if they're not a fan. Exactly. Or if they're a casual fan. Because you know, I I've done this, you know, now 18 times seeing them live and every single time that song is played, even in the top tier, people stand up. It is like an anthem. It is a special moment in every Kiss concert. Yeah. And if you go see Kiss yeah. 18 times this year or whenever you get a chance to do that, you know, for a person to complain about rock and roll night, it's, it's, it's again, complaining about too much sex or too much pizza. Even, you know, even the worst pizza I've ever had was still pizza. You know what I mean? Right, the right. The worst it's sex like, I've like ever even had. It was still sex. I'm not turning right. it down. <laughs> so if I get a chance right. to hear Kiss do the Rock and Roll National Anthem, especially, you know, it's 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 one time when we can put all the division aside, uh, your favorite lineup, my favorite lineup, crap, and we just throw the horns up in the air and let it rip, man. Right, and there goes the confetti. And you can almost hear it on this recording because um, they absolutely nailed the vibe of it. They get the tambourine in there. The, the big the big sing along um, it's you know they did a very faithful rendition and it, it works very well I think before we close on this subject Ferk there's one thing I want to talk to you about because you're new at this Kiss Army stuff compared to myself and Gary when, remember how I said I did the car test with the new CD had a lovely lady by my side yes. we're driving kicking out Deuce and I'm just jamming you know, I'm just digging it. I'm like, isn't this great? And she's like, yeah, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm sitting there, and I said, after it played, I hit pause, and I said, it's hard to believe that that song was not a hit. And she said, it, it wasn't? And I said, no, if, if, if we went around and asked 90% uh, of the classic rock fans out there if they've ever heard it on the radio, they wouldn't know it to save their lives. Or they would think it's uh, the beginning to nothing but a good time. <laughs> Poison. But it's strange because, to me, those songs, uh, it, it wasn't something where, like, radio was saying, here's the songs you have to like. It was like, here's the songs we love despite them not being played on the radio. I don't know of any song by Green Day that wasn't released as a single that their fans are, like, crazy over. Whereas uh, Deuce could be the opener for every Kiss concert from now on to the end of time because we, the faithful, love that song. We know... The caliber of the song, we know we know how good it is based on a song's actual merits. Not because it was a hit and we heard it in a commercial or on a soundtrack, but because we love that song. It's something that was germane and came natural. Well, what they did was they built a, a kind of culture, a subculture, and, um, and, and the cultural experience was the live Kiss concert. And so... Um, the ebb, I think the ebb and flow of a KISS concert um, makes the KISS like makes us enjoy those songs to some extent like Deuce has that power to make you get up and go like wow you know the, the, right the, and it's got that sway thing and yeah. the, the part where the drums kick up a little bit more and the song just keeps building and building and building and building and there's all these little uh, levels that you reach in the song and and, and, and you know what's coming, and it's like, here's that moment, right. bang. Right. And uh, it's, it's, I, I, just think, I just was thinking that was an interesting thing, that we have our songs that we love, that we hold 
as hits, if you will, that the general public <laughs> has never heard. Right. Like Strutter. No one's ever heard of Strutter. Well, Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Strutter had a, uh, a resurgence <coughs> a couple years ago with the whole Guitar Hero. Right. That's true. With Guitar Hero, think, things are changing a little bit. Right. There's more people that have heard Strutter because of Guitar Hero than because it was on the first album. I'm talking about newbies. I'm not talking about people that, again, grew up naturally in the process. Right. But uh, Guitar Hero is definitely a way for this music to get out there. And that's what this album was created for. It's just an interesting way of of thinking about things, I believe. that uh, Kiss is one of those unique bands. Like, for example, The Who. We could sit here all day and name like every big Who song. Right, and that's you know what, what I mean? a right a Who greatest hits album looks. Look, it's like the ten songs that you hear on the radio. Right, right. But a, a Kiss greatest hits album is still somebody's going to hear like Deuce or Strutter on that. Right, and they're going, well, when was this song a hit? <laughs> right, because 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 the fans made it a hit within the right. fan base. That's what it, that's what that is. Exactly. Okay, la- uh, big big question here. And I think I know the answer to this. Do any of these tracks now become the definitive version for you? No. 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 No, 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 no. In the same way that Eric Carr's Beth, as great as it is, whatever anyone thinks about it, it, it will, it'll never replace Beth to me. Right. The, Pete's version. And, you know, I've seen fans online say, I like this better than the original. And you know what? <coughs> cool. That's fine. That's okay. totally cool. But it's... Um, you know, for me, definitive means something different. Absolutely, the very, yeah. the very definition of the word definitive right. makes it not possible for any of these to be the definitive version. I, I, I really, you know, it's so hard when it's a, a Kiss recording, especially one of the songs that came out in the '70s um, or '80s. You know, for me to to distance myself from what it was like to be you know buying those records to be a kid to grow up with this music but you know to the people who buy this record and feel like these versions or or one of these versions is better than the old one that's cool that's that's what that's what's nice about being a fan of a band that's been around for 35 years you can make those decisions for yourself and i think that um you know, i don't think anyone's going to mind right you know yeah yeah and don't let anyone tell you otherwise either because you know we've all seen on the message boards where it gets into that stupid crap of you know you're not a real fan if you don't like this or you're not a real fan if you don't like that and um it's just not true you like what you like and that's what's important if you're there and you're in you and you're on a message board and you're discussing kiss who let's face it is not exactly the hippest or coolest thing to be discussing no matter when you you know you became a fan they were never the cool thing they were always the outsider thing you know when you're on a message board and you're discussing KISS and you're talking about the pros and cons of these re-recordings that have not even reached stateside yet and you say you like something and someone says you're not a real fan well the fact that you're there and talking about that makes you a real fan Right. the fact that you care makes you a real fan and the people that are claiming you're not a real fan they're real fans too because they care enough to not call you a not real fan right you know and and they feel and they feel strongly about it. I mean, you know, so so when when something like this comes out, it's it it causes divisions and it makes people angry and it makes some people really excited. I'm just happy that I got to unwrap a, a, a Kiss CD with, you know, new photos of the band and and new recordings by the band. And, you know, I, maybe I'm just easily amused, but it, like I've known that for years. So, so. Gentlemen, I think that wraps it up for this uh, first ever edition of the Council of the Elder. I think this should become a podcast tradition. It was way too much fun to do it only once, and um, hopefully the people listening enjoyed it. Please let us know what you think, and please submit topics for future roundtable discussions because it wouldn't be a podcast without your input. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're kind of breaking up the monotony of uh, podcast number whatever, podcast number whatever, and every few shows we'll, we'll throw in this supplement, the Council of the Elder, and I hope you guys dig it. Right, and we do, ha- we do have uh, a podcast that's done that we're editing right now, and we have uh, something very cool in the works. If it works out, um, it's going to be an excellent episode um, with a lot of really special, um, well, I don't want to give too much away, but keep listening. There's cool stuff coming up. Ken, it was great to have you on. And I hope to do this again. We really should. And so, 
Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, James. Uh, it's always great to do this Thank with you, you guys. Thank you, Gary. Oh, more than, more than happy. <laughs> um, and, of course, the 10 guys who are KISS, we love talking about you and listening to you. <laughs>